Reading now from the Gospel according to John. Pilate entered the headquarters again, summoned Jesus and asked him, Are you the king of the Jews? Jesus answered, Do you ask this of your own or did others tell you about me? Pilate answered, I am not a Jew, am I? Is your nation has and your chief priests have handed you over to me. What have you done? Jesus answered, my kingdom is not of this world. If my kingdom were from this world, my followers would be fighting to keep me from being handed over to the Jews. But as it is, my kingdom is not from here. I'll ask him, so you are a king. Jesus answered, you say that I am a king. For this I was born and for this I came into the world to testify to the truth. Everyone who belongs to the truth listens to my voice. Pilate asked him, what is truth? The word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. My father, whose career was spent as the music director in a couple of universities, preferred to let other professors teach the music appreciation classes. It's not that he did not want all the students, general education population included, to learn music history, about genre, and an appreciation for the most prominent works. He did. He just didn't want to be the one who had to teach them. Because inevitably, the majority of the class was far more motivated by getting the general arts requirement off the list so they could graduate than they were about knowing the difference between Vivaldi and Beethoven. Despite his desire to grow the master's appreciation for noteworthy music, because when my dad did have to teach the music appreciation classes and did not want to see the students a second and third time around, he generally lowered the bar from what he would otherwise teach. Sometimes to make sure that his pop quizzes were at least at the low standard he wanted to set, he would run a few of the questions by my sisters and me. We were teenagers, had not had music appreciation besides whatever we had gained by being around him. And so if we could get those questions right, he thought they were fair enough. We usually passed those pop quizzes. Because there were questions that involved uh, what we thought fairly obvious answers. For instance, we knew that Abraham Lincoln did not write the 1812 overture. Some of his students, however, did not know that. And to make matters worse, one of them dared to challenge him. When told that Lincoln was not the correct answer, she replied, Well, that's your opinion. I'm pretty sure that student had the opportunity to take music appreciation a second time. And I'm quite sure she did not take it from my father. It is an irrefutable fact, in case you're wondering, that Abraham Lincoln did not compose the 1812 Overture. Tchaikovsky did. That's the truth, not debatable. What is debatable are music preferences. I know they're debatable because they were among my family's greatest debates. 
Whenever the five of us were together, particularly in the car, the debates ensued. Five people, five preferences. Usually we would debate that until the answer came down from in front. And then the music scholar either chose the station he wanted or there was silence. It is true that Tchaikovsky composed the 1812 Overture. And it is also true that we children often preferred whatever was the popular song on the radio that day to something that was composed in the 19th century. Both truths. One, an irrefutable fact that is decidedly not an opinion. And the other, a truth that is based on our opinions. I say all of that to remind us that there are different kinds of truths. There's the quantitative type. There are an exact number of people in this room at this very time, and our ushers have been asked to count each and every one of you and to report that number as though it is fact, a quantitative truth. And there's a qualitative truth. However many there are of you in this room at this very time, it is not enough to satisfy me. That's a qualitative truth. I will never be satisfied with however many are in this room. Life includes quantitative facts and qualitative facts. Truths based on what is observable by the eye and truths that come from within. As long as, such, as discussions of such truths are on the same planes, as people are talking about truths in the same ways, the, usually the conversations go well. When things go off the rails is when one person is talking about one kind of truth and the person they're talking with is talking about a different kind of truth. Jesus and Pilate had that kind of discussion. In John's Gospel, Jesus and most of the people he's talking with are having that kind of discussion. Friend or foe, disciple or inquirer, Jesus is usually talking on a level in John's Gospel that his companions are not. And it's up to us, the readers, who have to sort through it. That's what happened when Jesus stood before Pilate on the morning of his crucifixion. With his life in the balance, Pilate wanted Jesus to acquiesce. To simply talk on Pilate's level. He wanted him to acknowledge that he is not a king, that there is no king but Caesar. Pilate wanted Jesus to admit that he was an overzealous teacher whose good work made him famous and whose fame went to his head and who was contrite and willing to fall back in line. There's no capital crime about getting, against getting a little arrogant. Pilate even admired an oversized ego. Just get it in check before Rome found out and everything would be okay. Pilate wanted Jesus to say what is observably, quantifiably true. There was one king ruling Israel at that time and they called him Caesar. Jesus did not comply. He wasn't so easily done, especially on that day. There was too much at stake to let a frightened bully force him back to a quiet corner of Galilee. 
too much eternal truth to let talk of a mundane truth win the day. Is Israel's king called Caesar? Well, that day, yes. Tomorrow, who knows? Is Israel's Rome's all the world's and universe's king named Caesar? That day and forevermore? Quantitatively, and more importantly, qualitatively, no. Jesus is. And the difference is immeasurable. Well, that's your opinion, the history books might claim. Jesus was never placed on an earthly throne. No kingdom claimed allegiance. The Holy Roman Empire may have made him their rally cry, but it was a Jesus made more in their image than they in his. We're all susceptible to making Jesus out to be more for our purposes than us for his. It's too bad. It's too bad that we and that kings and that all aren't willing to live our lives more like he did. Isn't that the measure of true allegiance? Isn't it the best subject one that lives like her king? Actually, no. Not in this world where kings live opulently, live to be served, live on other people's backs. Kings don't want their subjects to live like them. Kings want their subjects to live for them. When Israel wanted a king, God warned them about this. Told them they did not understand what they were asking. They pressed, God relented, gave them kings. Some were better than others. Even the best kings turned them into slaves for a season. Kings do that. Almost every king does that. All but one king has done that. When God laid out what kings are supposed to be like, God exasperatedly recognized that not a king had been like that. Kings, God said, should feed their flock, not themselves. Strengthen the weak. Heal the sick. Bind up the crippled. Seek out the lost. Bring back strays. They should not rule harshly or forcefully. They should, in essence, lay down their lives. Some kings had done some of those things. No king had done all of those things. Save one. The history books haven't recorded it. But the Bible has. Historians who count things quantifiably are skeptical. People of faith who count things qualitatively know this to be true. They know the answer to Pilate's cynical question. They know the answer to what is truth. What is truth? Truth is a king born in a stable, not in a palace. What is truth? 
truth is the king who had to flee to Egypt because of violence in his homeland. What is truth? It's a king who lived with no place for his head and had to ask for food from those around him so that he could relate to those who were homeless and hungry and they to him. What is truth? It's a king who knows that it is just as important to wash another's feet as it is to have your feet washed. It's turning bread and wine into body and blood and body and blood into life-sustaining gifts. It's a king who would die if that meant his friends could live. Truth is a king who is more concerned with a kingdom of peace and justice than a kingdom of self. The quantitative truths are that there were Caesars who ruled for years and died. And other kings who ruled and died. And that Jesus lived in such ways that were so unlike their reigns that no one would ever mistake him for having a kingdom as did they. The qualitative truth is that Jesus' kingdom looks a whole lot more like what God intended in creation and is what God is working toward in what is to come. Something bigger, better, and more lasting than any of us have yet to imagine. Something that even a glimpse of will inspire us to keep serving that king. This king. Our king. The king of kings who has served and is serving and will serve forever because he's a king unlike any other. He's our king. And he is truth.